This podcast is not intended to provide any investment advice. The opinions expressed here by either the hosts or guests do not necessarily reflect the views of PSA, Collectors Holdings, or any of their affiliates. Any discussion of collectible values in the past or present is not a guarantee of future performance. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of the PSA Pod. Ryan Green, Jack Archer, and Steve Sloan, producer Drew here in our PSA Santa Ana headquarters. Back with more this week. We got a lot to talk about today. We're going to have stock up, stock down. We've got a really good conversation coming up with Max Lee at MaxMaxCity on Instagram. He is a really fascinating member of our PSA set registry, collects TCG really heavy into Pokemon. You're definitely going to want to hear that. There's just such an incredible story there. He sat down with Dustin Porras, our set registry team. We've got some cool stuff to talk about regarding the Collectors Club uh, here at PSA. Got a couple new features rolling out, which we're really excited to share. So we're going to get to that, but we're going to start with Stock Up, Stock Down, our favorite early week segment. And how do we not start talking with the star of Sunday, Brock Purdy? Hobby God, Brock Purdy. Everyone's going crazy for him, and rightfully so. He looked amazing in his first game. The 49ers looked for real. And this guy could have like a magical sports movie run throughout the NFL playoffs this year. That's what we all want, right? Yes. That's, that's what the hobby's all about, being able to identify a guy early, watch him grow, and especially in a storied franchise like the Niners, getting his first career victory against Tom Brady, of all people, who everyone is just looking for the next person who, who the, who's going to receive the torch from Brady. So it's just a storybook way. But the problem is there's no product. We need, <laughs> we need some product. From we need cards. Yeah. Well, it's coming. And yeah. this is actually really cool because at the end of this month, Panini Mosaic Football 2022 comes out. It's the first flagship product of the year from Panini that comes out. This We haven't seen a checklist yet, but you got to assume Brock Purdy's in there. And does this add a little bit of juice you know, to the product? The 2022 rookie class, not super overly desired by collectors so far. What does this add to it if Brock Purdy really is the guy? I think it adds quite a bit. It just makes it more fun. Like, even if you're not collecting him, say you're going after, like, Garrett Wilson cards, who's a complete stud, or Chris Olave, who's incredible. Just having that extra juice in there, that extra quarterback, that you, you're going to get a really, really happy if you pull even a base card. Mm-hmm. I, think it's, I think it's good for the hobby. I think it's good for these products, and it makes it more fun for everybody. Yeah, it adds to Kenny Pickett, who was really the only notable quarterback out of the class who unfortunately got hurt over the mm-hmm. weekend, but still was having a pretty good season leading up to that. So, of course it does. I mean, with the idea that you can get a, a, a marquee name off of a checklist, that's going to build hype around the release. It's going to build hype around breaks, especially team breaks for, for the Niners, as an example. But I lied. There are products out right now. Most of them are collegiate, of course, like select draft picks, you know, National Treasures Collegiate as a couple examples. So there are Brock Purdy cards out there currently, and they're actually doing pretty well on eBay with this run-up, especially after yesterday's victory. I mean, like any collector, I was going on eBay yesterday just to see what Brock Purdy cards were doing. There was a gold National Treasures Collegiate RPA out of 10 that sold yesterday, 5, 10 p.m. Pacific. Talk about epic timing if you're the seller on this. Sold for $3,350. Had 95 bids on it on eBay. Should we play a little name game real quick? Mm -hmm. Brock Purdy or Mac Jones? Whose card would you rather have? Just say like silver prism, PSA 10, standard, iconic, easy. 
I'm going to go Mac Jones. Same. Just because there's no Trey Lance waiting in the wings. Even though, yeah, I see the case for Brock Purdy. I mean, this, the franchise, the potential lead, what is a loaded roster to a Super Bowl run. I'm going to feel foolish, perhaps, with that choice, but give me give me a guy who had a pretty good season his rookie year, who's obviously floundering a little bit right now, but has a chance to rebound. Zach Wilson. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. Sorry, Zach. And <laughs> I, I say Brock Purdy for the same reason I would say Mac Jones. I've seen him do it. Like I still haven't really seen Zach Wilson do it, but I saw Mac Will- Mac Jones do it for a full year and win Rookie of the Year. I've seen Brock Purdy do it for a couple weeks now with a really good team. All right, new starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons, Desmond Ritter, or Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. It's the market for me. The franchise again. I keep going back to the Niners, but with Montana and. You know, just the legacy, Steve Young, Jerry Rice, all the great names that have come through there that are also so collectible. If Brock Purdy can add his name to that pantheon of greatness, it it just hobby bonanza at that point. It's funny because the one Brock Purdy card in his Niners uniform, uniform, quote unquote, that I saw sell yesterday was a 2022 Panini certified gold rookie auto number one out of 25 sold for just under $2,100. But it makes me think of Brady rookie cards because he's in the practice uniform. Well, shout out to Panini Certified getting its moment yeah. here. It's getting its moment in the sun because all the other products haven't released yet. I love it. It's it's it like you said. It's storybook s. The fact that he he beat Brady in the first game. It's mm-hmm. you know it feels a little bit magical. All right, last name last name in the name game, Kirk Cousins <laughs> or Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. I mean, career arc. We're going back to the core <laughs> score thing, but career arc for me, it's like Kirk Cousins. I know what I'm getting. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't. I just, there's nothing there. As a Derek Carr collector, I can't get excited for the Mendoza line of NFL quarterbacks, <laughs> which is exactly where Carr sits. But yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going Purdy again. I can't believe I'm going to say it. I'm going to go Purdy. Like, I, I mean, I'm a Bears fan too, so I can't really get into Cousins cards, but live dangerously. Yeah. I love it. All right. I lied. I actually have one more Eli Manning. Super Bowl winner, Eli yeah, Manning. Yeah, I'm easily, taking I'm easy, taking Eli. Easily Eli. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't I can't pass up a Hall of Famer. He's come a he's come a long way in, in public perceptions. Yes. Like towards the end of his playing career, hobbyists and sports fans were just kind of like rolling their eyes at Eli. But I think like everything, greatness like ages really well, winning ages really well. And he's been phenomenal with his brother on Monday night football. And yeah. I think all of that stuff really helps his his hobby just Juice, frankly. Agreed. Yeah, I'm a big fan of those Caesars commercials. Yeah, it's like, but here's the thing. At the end of Eli Manning's career, all you knew about him was that he won two Super Bowls. You knew nothing about his personality. You knew nothing. And now, like. Well, once again, he has his brother to thank. Yeah, but this whole new character's board is born. The whole Chad Powers thing, playing undercover quarterback at Penn State. Like, he's awesome. Phenomenal name, Chad Powers. Just (laughs) just great stuff. Sticking with quarterbacks, stock up. Jalen Hurts. I feel like we've mentioned him a couple times in stock up, but it's just, it's deserved it every time. We keep on, we keep on bringing him up, expecting that one of these weeks it's going to be stocked down, you know, the, the Eagles stumble, but no, like, like we have to put him here. We're obligated to put him here. He is the far away front runner to win MVP right now. The Eagles are, are in my opinion, clearly the best team in football and the hobby is noticing, but are they noticing enough? He's right there with career wins with Herbert and Burrow. He's actually tied with Burrow with 21 career wins, one behind Herbert, who has 22. But what what strikes me is just he's had to play catch up with his his rookie card values compared to Burrow and Herbert. 
Burrow, for example, PSA 10, Silver Prism. The pops are nearly identical, Burrow and Hertz. 196 for Burrow to 198 for Jalen Hertz as of recording today, which is a Monday. But the value is in half. You know, Burrow is twice as much as, as Jalen Hertz, which sits at about $710 as the last sold on a, on a silver PSA 10, which is interesting to me. Say the Eagles go on to win the Super Bowl. Where does that price sit the day after the Super Bowl compared to Joe Burrow? It's hard to say. It's almost like he has to win the Super Bowl to get to get there. And you mentioned where they started from, right? Joe Burrow drafted to be the guy. Justin Herbert drafted to be the guy. Jalen Hurts was drafted when they still had Carson Wentz, who was a couple years removed from MVP level performance. So he was almost drafted as like a just in case guy. Yeah. Maybe we'll develop this guy. Maybe he'll turn into something. So it took a while for the hype to really catch up. And despite a 12 and one record so far this year and the guy just playing like the most confident quarterback on the planet still more needs to be seen. It appears in the hobby, which is crazy to say out loud. I think it's important to know the supporting cast. Yeah. Not only does he have AJ Brown and Devonte Smith, which is, which is fantastic, but he, the Eagles far and away have the best offensive line in football week after week. Pro football focus has them number one. I'm not a subscriber to their service, so I can't see past the top three. But I would imagine that the Bengals are like probably like what, like 26 or something. Yeah, like they're pretty, yeah. pretty low down there. So I think that has a, a little bit of something to do with it. But yeah, what Steve said, the biggest thing is like the hype going into Joe Burrow card season was so high. For Jalen Hurts, not so much. So he's just playing catch up. But this is only temporary. Things will change based on winning, based on playoffs, based on based on everything. Yeah, I think you Using Burrow as the proxy, you can see the ceiling or at least the next step for Jalen Hurts' cards if they win the Super Bowl. Because if they win the Super Bowl, you can't tell me that his silver prism, if the pop is nearly identical, won't at least match Burrow's. It has to. Mm-hmm. From, a, from a collectability standpoint with the fan base in Philly, which is massive, passionate, all those things, there's 190, 198 out there that the demand would not get to a point where you could at least see comparable value, which is around $1,500. Don't, don't bookmark that just in case they, they don't win. So, <laughs> Well, plus we saw it last year with Burrow cards during the buildup to the Super Bowl. If he goes and wins it, we've seen the blueprint. It's there. Mm-hmm. Stock up. Drew, try to contain yourself here. Zion. Big Z. The Pelicans, Man. as of this recording, have won seven straight games. Yes. They currently sit at number one in the West. Zion scored 35 points last night. He's doing outrageous, potentially unnecessary windmill dunks to end games. Loved it. He's looking lean and mean. It's awesome to see. I mean, he's kind of like the figurehead of the hobby boom. And and looking at the NBA standings, looking at the West, you have the Pelicans number one, the Grizzlies number two, the two-headed monster of the 2019 class. And it's just, it's fun to see those two people lead the league and stardom like they're doing right now pretends well for their postseason as well mm-hmm. the pels are gonna beat the you know what out of their opponents we saw it last year with with the sun series they took them to the to the max and again this year i could just see whoever matches up with them is in for a physical physical series which is fun to watch from a fan perspective but i think it pretends really well for their prospects in the postseason to be able to advance and go well especially when you have such athletic, incredible athletes like Zion, like Ingram. 
like Jose Grand Theft Alvarado. <laughs> they're scrappy, man. Just had to get it. Valentunas, Valentunas. They just like the team you hate to play against because yeah. they're gonna they're gonna beat you up inside. They're gonna shoot from the outside in spots, but they're just long, and that's that that's built well for the postseason. I'm excited to see the Pels. Everybody played basketball with someone like Jose Alvarado growing up. Oh yeah, and they hated playing against them. Oh, yeah. And everyone hates playing against the Pelicans. They're just kind of like ferocious and like mean. In, a, in, in like a good, happy way, if that makes sense. It's got uh, like, a lot of fun to watch and, and seeing Zion doing what he's doing in Zion-like ways is just, it's great for basketball and it's great for the hobby. And it's fun to see some of his biggest cards be flexed on Instagram right now. I love all the I told you so's. It's just, it's just really fun. I hope he stays healthy. I hope his momentum continues throughout the rest of the season and into the playoffs. We might have to revise the core score already. I mean, we're, we're only in December I think, you know, Drew's over here shaking his head at how low we scored Zion. More windmill dunks like that, the highlight score alone is going up. Maybe we give him like an all-star break revisit. That might be the play. I want to see how he looks about six weeks from now. All right. It's incredible what he's doing. And like you said, one and two from that draft class being one and two in the West, great for the hobby. For us, more important than anything. You know, what's crazy is that the Pelicans have so many draft picks from the Anthony Davis trade, oh, yeah. a Drew Holiday trade. They could bring in like a really major piece soon and really just cannibal that team to an entirely new level while keeping all of their big names. It's if you are a New Orleans Pelicans fan, it's 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 a really good time. I hope you got a nice stash of Zion cards in the PC. Stock up. We're going to the hot stove. Aaron Judge. Stock isn't going crazy, but a very good development for the hobby, I think, was our first takeaway when we saw that he re-signed long term, ideally for the rest of his career with the New York Yankees. I could see him in a Giants uniform. For some reason, he does look kind of right in the Giants uniform, but as a hobbyist, you have to love the single team, the entire career, the Kobe arc from start to finish. I hope Aaron Judge accomplishes that. It's fun to see. He's great for baseball. And it's great to have somebody so lovable on the Yankees and just so likable. I'm a big fan of the move. I'm glad he signed there. I want some Aaron Judge cards really, really bad. I'm just so thankful from a hobby perspective that he stayed in New York. We were talking a little bit before the show about Griffey and if he had stayed in Seattle. Like for me, when you can see a guy being a hobby fixture early in his career, you just want him to stay with that single team. And nothing against Cincinnati, but unfortunately it just didn't play out in a red uniform for Griffey. If, if say Judge goes to a, a middle market and gets hurt, I mean, he's, he's pretty much done from a hobby perspective in many ways the yankee pinstripes just add so much not only in terms of winning and the postseason opportunity but just from a hobby perspective so not only that his home run ball is still up at auction right now golden it's at 1.44 with the buyer's premium currently in the elite auction i'm curious to see where that ends now that he's staying in the yankees uniform if if you caught that home run ball and you sent to auction you're going to get a huge wire soon for its selling. What's the one hobby grail that you're going to be going after? Within within Aaron Judge prices reasonable. You can't just say the you know the PSA 10 Mickey Mantle 1952 tops. I have one and it's actually at auction at Golden right now. It's the Pop 1 PSA 10 Frank Thomas 1990 tops no name on front. I was blown I saw it on the auction 
when I was looking at Golden last week or two weeks ago, and I went and looked up the cert on PSA, I could not believe there was only one PSA 10 copy yeah, of that card. Incredible, huh? For as sought after as it was, it really shows you how rare it was. The holy grail of the junk wax era, yes, frankly. Easily. I couldn't believe it. And I believe right now at the time of this recording, it's around seventy, eighty thousand dollars ends next weekend. I'm watching it just out of sheer, you know, I wish I could have it. I want to see what it ends at. But if you grew up in the junk wax era and started collecting that era, like you said, it is the grail and I can't wait to see what it sells for. The big hurt. You can't beat it. No. I played, I played the big hurt baseball for super Nintendo in an obsessive amount <laughs> at a certain age. And then just love Frank Thomas. That card is iconic. That's a, that's a great, great choice. What about you, Steve? Man, you're putting me on the spot. There's so many. I mean, you just said I couldn't have a 52 tops mantle. Not, That's like the first no, thing my mind went not, to. Was not like, in a, oh, it not in a PSA 10. Not in a PSA 10. Or even a PSA 9 or an 8.5. I'll take a 7.5. Yeah. I'll take a 7. I'll take anything with nice centering, great eye appeal. I think a 7.5 would probably be around a million probably at this point, million two, maybe. I mean, if that's where the ball is going to land and I have to use it all on one card, I'm going to, I'm going to get right up to that, mm -hmm. to that like precipice that. of price of price. And so, yeah, sorry, Jack, I got to go 52 mil. <laughs> well, cheers. Gosh, I don't know. I was Stop. putting you guys on the spot. I wasn't yeah. totally expecting to be on the I, spot. I don't know. It would probably be like a mix of like a few iconic hobby cards, like the Fleer Jordan rookie, some Kobe Bryant stuff that I've had my eye on for a while. I'd grab some like really nice Mike Trout stuff, mm -hmm. some really nice like 90s Griffey inserts. I would probably just kind of like go on like a shopping spree, not nice focus on, on one single card. If it was one single card though, I think I got to go Steve's route and just and just, just grab the mantle. There's, there's, there's nothing better than that mm -hmm. card. One final note on that, Frank Thomas. I just went and looked at the pop report again. PSA's only graded 250 copies of that in 32 years. That's pretty wild. My, my brother-in-law actually texted me over Thanksgiving. They found some old 1990 tops, like two unopened boxes at his cousin's house. He's like, what do we do with these? Like, you just open them. <laughs> like you can't sell them for anything, mm -hmm. but you just never know. The Willy Wonka golden ticket could be in there. It's incredibly unlikely that it is. It could be in there. All right. We're going to go stock down. Not nearly as much this week, which is a good thing. A lot of positive happening in sports and in the hobby. Let's go back to the hardwood. 2018 draft class. We talked about it recently with Shea Gilgis Alexander and how he's breaking out on the other end of it. A little bit of a rough start this year for Trey Young. Yeah, you know, I was I was on card ladder recently, just seeing seeing some red numbers next to Trey Young's name. The Hawks are like right around 500 right now, right middle of the pack, underperforming by a lot of standards. And Trey Young's having some on court problems, but also some off court problems right now. For those who don't know, there was a quote unquote, miscommunication between him and the head coach, which resulted in him not even showing up for a single game, which is quite odd. And on top of it, like he's part of his hobby appeal was just like what a sharpshooter he was. Like he was a really, really great shooter. You know, Steph, Clay Thompson, all those guys, they changed how basketball was played in a, in a big way. And Trey was supposed to carry that torch. And his playmaking is still great. He's still getting double digits assists per game. But He's just not hitting a lot of threes. A couple a couple games ago, I think he went 0 for 11 from beyond the arc. He's maybe hitting one, two, possibly three threes a game. But he's not the Trey Young that I think hobbyists kind of fell in love with. And it's just, it's just disappointing to see, but I still think he has it in him. I think this is just temporary. 
when he's on one, like he was in the playoffs against the Knicks and is doing the bows and all the showmanship, there's frankly few basketball players that are as fun as Trey Young is. I'm a, I'm a believer in him. I don't like saying that he's stocked down right now, but I mean, the market numbers don't lie. He's stocked down. So let me ask you, his 2018 Silver Prism and a PSA 10 has a card ladder value of $312. The Papa's 2,245 cards. Would you buy at that price today? Not knowing a ton about the basketball market as I don't actively collect it, just knowing what I know about Trey and hearing that population data, et cetera, I think that's a pretty decent buy. The value, we'll call it $300. Yeah. I mean, for, for a player of his, his capabilities, I think the thing that concerns me a little bit is just the team. Mm-hmm. and being kind of middle of the pack, right? Is this the year that the the Hawks go anywhere? And if it's not, it might be an opportunity to wait. But his talent can't be denied, that's for sure. I'm taking that that same dollar amount. I'm buying a different Prism Trey Young card. I'm buying his red ice. Ooh. You get the color match, and you get the nickname match all in one parallel. And it's <laughs> only Pop 183, which is a lot more interesting to me personally. Last sold for $385. I'm grabbing some coins between the sofa cushion and ponying up for the red eyes, 385. Pop 183 PSA 10. Great find. Being in the middle of the pack is like the worst place to be in the NBA. And and you look at it from a collecting standpoint. You either want to be collecting guys who are contending for a championship or they're really good players on bad teams where you can kind of prospect a little bit what the franchise can do in the future. But if you're just stuck in the middle, it's kind of a tough place to be in. I do love Trey being like the heel of the NBA. I do too. Like when every single New York Knicks fan yes. is like just just like posting memes all over Twitter and Instagram left and right. I loved it. It made me want to collect him more. Not because I hate the Knicks or anything like that, but because I just love the the theatrics of it. But you don't want him to be the heel for his own team. And I think that will change. And I'm I'm excited to see how it plays out. And I'm excited for him to get in a groove again because the shots are going to fall soon enough. And when they do, it will be a lot of fun. I think the four of us should go see Trey Young if he's if he's playing on January eighth. The Hawks are playing the Clippers here in Southern California. We go. We'll all wear chains with our Trey Young. He'll have the red eyes. Jack will have the red eyes. We'll have, <laughs> we'll have the silver. Maybe mix in a base. We'll represent Trey Young in, in Southern California coming to town just to show support. Better than a foam <laughs> finger. I'm in. Stock down. This is a bummer. Cade. Cade Cunningham out for the year. It's been a tough year for some of the guys, some of the top guys from the last couple of draft classes with Chet Holmgren missing his entire rookie season. And now Cade is on the shelf for the rest of this season. If, if you can stomach it, I think this is actually maybe a good thing, right? Yes. The, the team's not going anywhere. He's kind of gotten off to a frustrating start for his career overall last year with the ankle injury or his rookie year with the ankle injury. And you know, it just hasn't been able to score efficiently. It seems so maybe just take take the rest of the time for the year and and come back next year. Ivy will have another year under his belt, and who knows what they're doing with the draft pick. It, it might just be a good way to because he should be ready by the by the start of next season. It looks like. Yeah, his prices are way down compared to some of the other classmates of his. Jalen Green's still like pretty high, but I think I think him, I think Mobley, I think Josh Giddy to an extent. The lack of interest in this draft class, maybe it's because there's just so many collectible players in the league right now. We mentioned John Moran. We mentioned Zion. There's Luca. There's Giannis. There's everybody. It just feels overwhelming to kind of like dive into some of these 
these ultra young guys, especially with Victor around the corner. But his prices like seem seem awfully low to me personally. And his, I mean his his playmaking, his size, his maturity, the ceiling is definitely is definitely quite high for him. But this is this is really discouraging. And it's a shin injury too. I feel like growing up, I the kids that had like shin problems were always dealing with shin problems. Obviously, I'm not a doctor. Obviously, that means literally nothing. But it <laughs> it scares me more than if it was just like an ankle problem or something, mm-hmm. for instance. If you are a believer in Cade, Ender's Optic 2021, the last major release from the backup 2021 releases, does hit shelves this week. If you want to get that Contender's Optic ticket, it's a bummer bummer news, but it's good for you if you're looking to get some to stash for the future. We might need to rip a box. I'm curious what redemptions are in that product. I'm excited to see how 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 that trips mm-hmm. out. But man, I love this product. I love on-call autos. It's iconic for football, but basketball is like, it's getting some buzz and some of the prices for, for some of like the John Morant stuff I've seen out there. There's, there's Luca on card autos for contenders optic that you never see yeah. ever. They're never at auction. They're never on eBay. They're never anywhere. I think it's a great product. I'm excited for that release. It's a good way to kind of, to move on from this class and, and then, and then get ready for this, this current Ricky, Ricky class. Might be a rip of some contenders optic basketball coming to our PSA YouTube channel here pretty soon. So oh, with definitely. that, there's giveaways too, right? Oh, yeah. Everything you see us rip on YouTube, we give it away. So go yeah, check just us did out. The, the TCG the Charizard, Charizard, so Charizard no. UPC. All right. Follow up with some basketball. I like that. Got some more coming. We got some World Cup Prism grade reveals coming. PSA card on YouTube. Definitely want to check it out. We're going to take a quick break. Be back with Dustin Porras' conversation with PSA Set Registry member Max Lee. Hey everyone, this is Matt from the content team here at PSA, reminding you of our $15 per card holiday grading special. The special is for all you TCG and non-sports lovers out there. Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic, Marvel, and Star Wars, just to name a few. I'm a big Star Wars guy, so this special is the perfect holiday gift to myself. Time to get my Mando cards slabbed up. Max declared value is $1.99 per card with a 10-card minimum per submission. Estimated turnaround time is around 120 days for TCG and non-sports cards manufactured from 1980 through 2022. And this special, along with our $15 per card modern sports bulk special, is available through December 31st. You just have to have your online submission form for your order completed at psacard.com by the deadline. The holiday special, this is the way. Hi, I'm Dustin from the PSA Set Registry, and I'm so excited to be sitting across the table from Max Lee. Max, welcome to the PSA pod. Hey, it's an honor to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, we've been uh, spending all day capturing some content with Max. He's kind of our guest of honor because he's actually one of our winners from our PSA Set Registry My Top 10 contest that we held earlier this year. For all those uninitiated out there, the contest was a way to challenge all of our Set Registry members to assemble their 10 best cards, whatever that means to them. It doesn't have to be, you know, the most valuable. It could it, it could It'd be a personal story. It could be based around a specific character or player, but we challenged people to build showcases on the set registry. Max built a gorgeous, amazing museum of a Pokemon showcase as part of the contest and won our TCG category for this year. So very excited to have him on. His showcase, if you haven't seen it already, is called Vintage Pokemon Nostalgia, a deep dive into the roots of Pokemon history. 
So together, we're, we're going to dig into what that means and how the, the concept for that came about. So Max, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what the inspiration was for your showcase for My Top 10? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I just want to first off say that it's just an absolute honor to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me on here. So yeah, when I saw this contest was announced, I got I was super excited, man, because I knew that my collection, my collecting goals, it fit right into exactly what this contest was going for. So yeah, my, my showcase, I titled it Vintage Pokemon Nostalgia, a deep dive into the roots of Pokemon history. And what I wanted to do through this showcase was really go into the depths of vintage Pokemon history and show off why was it so universally loved right when it came out? Because it went viral all over the world so fastly. I want to show the world why it was the number one highest grossing media franchise of all time, beating out the likes of Mickey Mouse, Star Wars, mm-hmm. all the Disney princesses yeah. combined. Over $100 billion. I want to capture that in the 25 years that Pokemon was out. So yeah, I just uh, try to get the best pieces to show off all 25 years of Pokemon, what what it was that made it go so viral at the very beginning. Yeah, that's what I put together. Yeah, so one, one thing I think is so cool about your showcase, Max, is that it not only had impressive cards, but also had really impressive descriptions. You were pretty thorough with breaking down each item that you had in there, what its significance was. You know, just looking at the cards, you, you actually have them out here in front of me. I can see, you know, you have lots of signatures from artists like Mitsuhiro Arita, but you also have voice talent in here too. So you're, you're kind of encapsulating not just the TCG and the art, but also the other arms of the Pokemon franchise, like the TV show, the movies and things like that. How did you go about actually acquiring some of these really impressive pieces? Yeah. So I just, I just got these all from all over the world. I've got an Instagram following from with collectors from Japan, Australia, all over Europe. We got United States is where I'm from. I'm located in Asheville, North Carolina. And then got some people that I've got these from uh, in Canada. And what I wanted to do with these cards was I wanted to take so Pokemon, it started out as a video game. And then from the video game, it turned into a manga. And then it turned into a trading card game. There, so I wanted to start at the very roots of it. So I started at the very beginning. The very first Pokemon card set that came out was the 1996 Bandai card asset. This was released in September 21st, 1996. That's where I started it. And what's cool about this set is it really connects to the original Game Boy games that came out um, in Japan. So the first Game Boy games that came out in Japan, this was February 28th, 1996. There was Pokemon Green and Pokemon Red, which is just a little bit different than the Pokemon Red and Pokemon Blue that we see in America. So the 1996 Bandai Cardass Charizards, the rookie Charizards, those were the highlight, the number one cards on this on the showcase that I wanted to show off the world. And yeah, it, it then evolved into, I took the uh, Game Boy highlights. We then went into the anime. I got some autographs from some of the most uh, known English voice actors on the show. And then we went all the way up to the 25th anniversary Charizard to in the set. And it was, it was a a lot of fun putting together and putting all the descriptions into this. It felt like I was creating a, a real life digital Pokemon museum, which was epic. I think that's a great description. And Max, you had mentioned, you know, doing a lot of this, you're wheeling and dealing and and, and connecting with the network of collectors out there through your Instagram. Of course, your handle is Max Max City, and that's also uh, your username on the set registry. So if you guys want to check out some of the cards he has on his feed, go check them out. But I want to sort of isolate something you had mentioned. You know, you 
you were started to do a deep dive into Cardass, but I know a lot of people out there, maybe some of these listeners hearing this right now, aren't aware of the history of some of these earliest uh, Japanese Pokemon sets. Because I think when people think Pokemon, they think of the TCG, you know, the cards that came out in North America in 1999. But you specialize in a very specific subset of Pokemon, which are these early sets like Cardass, Top Sun, and for those who aren't aware, there is a bit of a debate as far as what is considered like the quote unquote rookie card or the very first Pokemon set that was ever released. And this debate falls on the the front lines of Top Sun versus Cardass. You know, which one was manufactured ma- manufactured first? Which one was released first? Where do you fall on that debate? And what are your thoughts on that whole discussion? Oh, yeah. So I've done a ton of research. And when I first started collecting, so the way that I, let me just first go into the way I got into looking into this whole debate was the first expensive card that I ever bought. It was actually a first edition 1999 holographic English Charizard. The only one I could afford at the time was a PSA 1.5, which was like one of, I think, like four other PSA 1.5s. And I thought that was just such a cool thing to hold a piece of history. And so then I realized, oh my gosh, there are Pokemon cards that could have came out three or four years before this before this first edition Charizard. I want to see what the original, what's the true rookie? What's the true Japanese right. rookie Charizard card that came out? And so at that time, there's a big debate, yeah, if it was Top Sun or if it was Bandai Cardass. And I believe at that time, there's a whole lot of people who believed it was Top Sun, which is a bubblegum producing company that produced the first Charizard of all time. And the reason that people believed that was because they have a 1995 copyright date on it. And so now there's been a lot of information come out to to really question that whole narrative. For one, there was not really many Pokemon products that came out in 1995 at all, if if there were any. there That was during the early period of really producing the Game Boy game that came out in February 28th, 1996. And at that time, no one had really tracked down the date of release of when Bandai Cardass came out. At that time, I was really thought by most of the hardcore vintage collectors that this was actually the third set. I started digging through all these different Pokemon forums, and I found where people had scans from old Koro Koro comics. Mm. And in these scans, they had the date of release of Bandai Cardass. So in the September issue of Koro Koro magazine was a pre-release display and images of the 1996 Cardass cards and the date that they were to be released, which was September 21st through September 30th. That was the earliest time period. And then we later found out from the trading card game that those cards were released on October the 20th of 1996. So we now know that Bandai Cardass was released before the trading card game and we still had not had a a solid date on Top Sun. And I believe I believe that the date the debate is nearly closed off now because of the information that exists on Top Sun's actual website. So the set that everyone thought was first Top Sun with a 1995 copyright date, if you go to their actual website, you can see that they have all their licensing contracts of when they set up deals with Pocket Monsters, when they set up their licensing contract with Hello Kitty or Yu-Gi-Oh. And so the date that they list on their actual website was 1997, which took what people thought was the very first Pokemon card set to potentially even being third, fourth, somewhere down the road, and which would leave Bandai Cardass to be king, the number one first release set of all time. And that's So that's where I kind of stand on the debate on it. All right, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Let us know what you think. It's, it's, it's really interesting because, yeah, a lot of this stuff 
dates back to, you know, the mid nineties and uh, not a lot was documented or, or, or preserved over time. And it's, it's really interesting because I, you know, the people that are manufacturing these cards and the franchise as a whole, I imagine did not expect it to be the sensation that it was. So it's really, really fun. And, uh, uh, interesting to debate and speculate as far as this issue is concerned. So if you guys, all all the listeners out there couldn't tell, you know, Max has done his research. He specializes in these specific types of cards. And why don't you tell the people about some of the recent accomplishments you've made as far as the red and green and then the, the very interesting, curious machine that you acquired very recently. All right. So I am, so at the time when I started collecting Bandai card ass, the 1996 very first set, there was nobody that had collected all 12 of the very rare prisms in red and green color. So there was 12 green and there was 12 red. They both were released at the same time through two different set releases that still predated the trading card game release. So they, so what I did was I tracked down all 24 of the prisms and this accomplishment it took a lot of different translation apps i was messaging people from different countries speaking in languages i did not even know just using translating apps just to try and track them all down and then in total to track down all 24 of those rare prisms it took 11 different countries to track them all down i i had to uh gather all these together and the the countries i got them all from Pretty cool. We got four different continents. So I got some from the United States of America, Canada, moving over to Europe. We got Germany, the Netherlands, France, Italy, Greece, England, UAE. And then we've also got over by Japan, we've got Japan and then we've got Australia. So it took 11 different countries, two years of my life trying to find all these different pieces and put it together. And yeah, it was a crazy, crazy goal that I honestly, when I started, I didn't know if I would ever be able to finish it, but thank God I'm finally done with that. <laughs> and, and it was, it was a, a little bit of a pricey journey along the way too, because as I'm collecting these 1996 card S cards, the prices just keep going up and up and up because everyone's starting to see the shift of, oh gosh, Top Sun's not first. These are the true rookie cards, Bandai card S. So, you know, I had to be public about wanting to collect them all because I, I wanted other collectors that they had them to be able to sell it to me. But yeah, it was a struggle to get them all and get them all for good prices. But so thank God I'm done with that. <laughs> <laughs> and these cards originally were distributed as, as vending machine prizes. You would, you know, pop in some quarters or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. And you would crank something and a card would come out. Right. And you just got a hold of one of these original card ass machines. Is that right? Oh yeah. So to take, to take my collecting goals even further, I set out a, a even harder challenge for myself, which would be to, for those who don't know that's listening to this. So the set is called the 1996 Bandai Cardass Vending Set. So Bandai in that, in that title, it comes from the company names. The company's named Bandai. Cardass stands for the type of machines that you essentially put 20 yen or a hundred yen into these machines, crank a, uh, a circular lever and then out dispense would either be one card or five cards out of every five cards. You would usually get one prism out of every five. And what I did was I tracked down all the old original displays that were on these machines, which is a near impossible thing to track down. I found one of the old original displays for, for the card ass machines. And then I actually found a guy that what he does is he restores original card ass machines from Japan. And the card ass machines are not something that's just unique to Pokemon. This is something that you'll see Yu-Gi-Oh! Or you'll see, I believe One Piece has different card ass pieces that, that come out of, of these machines. Mm -hmm. 
And and just to add on too, I think that I think because these card ass machines, it was so they had already been producing cards like this out of these card ass machines. So I think when you look at the history of Pokemon, it just makes sense that it would be very easy for a major company like Bandai to produce these cards very quickly because that was something they were already doing. They're already producing uh, different card ass cards from different hobbies. I restored one of the uh, original 1996 machines, got my actual 1996 card ass vending display on it, and it just looks absolutely amazing. It is so much more intricate on the inside than I ever would have guessed when I bought it from the guy that sold it to me. He sent me like four different videos showing me how to use this. I did not know how complicated it was. It took me two and a half hours to just get it completely set up after oh he sent it to me. I, was, I don't think I slept that night. I think I was up to about <laughs> 5 a.m. And I remember my wife walking into the room and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, I have to get this machine set up. I have to. This is my my goal and thank god i got it set up and yeah it was the coolest thing ever putting in like a old yen coin twisting the handle and seeing a nice charizard pop out yeah that is awesome that's like the next level of collecting it's like once you got the cards all right let's, let's move on to the vending machine that's that is the upper echelon there of collecting card my, my goal is to actually take it all over and display it throughout the world. So next year we're trying to get this displayed in uh, Paris, France. I want to take that oh, machine. Wow. I don't know how I'm going to get over there yet. That's I'm going to figure awesome. it out. I'm, I'm motivated to figure it out because I want this to be displayed. There's a big event over there called uh, Le TCG uh, Gala, which is a French event. It's like $300 and it's a very upper class event where they show all different parts of Pokemon history. And I want my my machine and my cards be displayed proudly at this event. I think that'd be super sick. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be an awesome opportunity. Max, I want to bring it back to the set registry for a moment because you know you won our My Top 10 contest in the TCG category. And for all those listeners out there, you know the set registry is a free service on psacard.com. And Max is has been a member for three years now. Oh, and yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on using the platform as a, as a member for three years, you know, some, what are your, some of your favorite features? How's the experience been so far? So I would say the PSA set registry is single-handedly the number one thing that has kind of taken my collecting experience to the next level. I mainly only collect PSA slabs now just because of how easy it is just to scan in all my cards and I can see my entire inventory. I can see my entire worth. I can track the amount I paid for certain cards. It's just all very simple. On top of that, on top of all the uh, organizational ways that helps you manage your collection, the thing I love is competing against other members in the PSA set registry. I like seeing who all is collecting different sets, how many people are collecting sets. Has this ever been completed before? How many people have done it before? Because, you know, you got the breakdown of, of, of maybe some sets of people don't have anymore, but it's on the historical side. You can mm. see the yeah. breakdown of that. So I absolutely love love using it. And I know that you know I love more than anything is the the showcase and showcasing mm -hmm. my my cards and what seems like a digital Pokemon museum, which just feels like the coolest thing, the coolest like next generational thing to show off all these cards. Yeah. So it's you know it's it's a platform for everybody out there for managing your inventory, building sets like Max just described. You can also track the value of your collection. And you can set collecting goals. So on that note, Max, you know, you've accomplished so much in this realm of vintage Japanese Pokemon card sets. What's next? What, what do you think is the next mountain for you to climb going forward? So, you know, moving forward, it took so long to complete this set. Like this was a lot of my life was dedicated to doing this. I stayed up many nights hunting on different 
I would, I would hunt on Baiyi, which is a Japanese platform. That's a lot like eBay. And I would be searching Japanese terms and just searching night after night that, you know, I honestly didn't know what was going to happen once I, once I finished this goal. And I didn't even know if I'd be, ever be able to finish this goal. So I j- actually just finished it in the middle of November. And now I'm looking forward to, uh, See, seeing really just what draws me. I know one thing that I really want to do is I have a strong love for the Pokemon Clefairy because Clefairy was actually, if you look at the old manga that came out before the trading card game, Clefairy was the Pokemon that was supposed to be like the Pikachu, the really popular Pokemon that was supposed to be the the face of the hobby. So what I think what I want to do is I, I want to start collecting Clefairies and old Top Sun sets and PSA nice. 10 and an old Bandai Cardass or maybe even the old Magi Chocolate sets and i also want to get i want to start digging into the newer stuff because for the longest time i i really ignored the the newer side of the hobby and it seems like it's actually bigger than it's it's ever been totally yeah there's a lot of modern stuff out there that like even i like when i you know started getting back into it more and more in the in the recent years you know i was always a purist when it came to the most nostalgic stuff like i'm only going to collect what i collected as a kid but the the quality of artwork that has come out, especially like you look at this V-Star universe set, the the quality of artwork is undeniable. And that is what's sucking me back more and more to these modern sets. So there's yeah. a lot of really amazing grails out there. The quality of artwork has just improved so much over the past two years. And just, I can tell just from my kind of like a bystander, just kind of on the outside looking in, because I've not really collected a lot of this new stuff that I've had to there's a few pieces in my collection now that I don't even really know much about the sets, but I've had to buy them just because the artwork is just so out of this world. And I love, yeah, I love that there's a, there's a newer card that was released, I believe in the past year or so that that is a battle between Charizard and Venusaur. Oh yeah. And they keep featuring that, you know, in different sets. And I just, I love that. I love that battle of the, the, the original goats. Yeah, totally. And you mentioned, you know, moving on to Clefairy, I think there's a Clefairy master set on the set registry. So maybe you, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, ranked number the, one in there. I can take that down. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many Clefairy, Clefairy collectors there are out there, but you know what? I'm coming for you. Yeah. So you better watch out. <laughs> watch out. Max is coming for you going to corner, corner the market. All right. So I just got one last question just to round it out. Uh, Max, who is your favorite Pokemon? All right. So I know this is going to sound super cliche and hear me out. My favorite Pokemon is Charizard, just as everyone would, would imagine. But yeah, I did not sure. come to love Charizard the same way that everyone else did. Maybe it's not the same way everyone else did. I used to not really understand the the whole love behind Charizard. But but during COVID, I rewatched through the, uh, I believe, the first four seasons of the anime. And just Charizard has such a beautiful story that's told through the anime that you only will really appreciate Charizard to the to the fullest ability if you watch through that you see Charizard disobeying Ash and they kind of have like yeah. a really rocky relationship to start out as he evolves from Charmeleon into Charizard and there's a point where Charizard really embraces and that that's really what what has drugged me into loving Charizard as my favorite was that whole struggle and and the the hate that was from from Charizard to Ash and and then it turned into love. It turned into a beautiful thing and they've got a great relationship. So that's, that's why I love Charizard so much. I think that's a great description. And I, I think that you raise a good point. Like that's something that's really poignant and thoughtful about Charizard's characterization in the show is that like, he doesn't just give his love to anybody. You got to work for it. You got to work to get his respect. And I think there is something to be said about that. Yeah. And there's many po- points in the show too, where, you know, they go to these big Pokemon tournaments and, you know, you want Ash to win with his Charizard. He's got the most dominant Charizard. And then what does Charizard do? Charizard just sits on the, on the sidelines, doesn't fight. And you're just so frustrated as a viewer of the show. Like, really, did 
did Ash really lose this championship based on his Charizard not fighting? Yeah. Come on, you got to fight, man. <laughs> but no, they worked it They worked it out and it became a really beautiful relationship. And yeah. Absolutely. Well, Max, it's been a ton of fun going down memory lane, talking about these super nostalgic sets with you. Again, Max, Max City, check him out in the PSA set registry. His showcase is still on there if you want to check out his 10 super impressive, amazing nostalgic cards. Max, thank you so much for stopping by today. It's been a ton of fun and thanks for joining us here in the PSA pod. Yeah, thank you guys so much. It's been an honor being here. It's been so much fun today. Uh, shooting all this content with you guys. I think what I'm gonna my goal, my goal for 2023 is to try and two-peat in this my top 10 showcase. I'll oh. be back here next year. That's my goal. <laughs> and so if I can two-peat, you know, I'll be back here. So yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's been an honor. It's been so much fun. And thank you guys so much. Hey everyone, we've been working on Funko Pop grading here at Collectors and want to remind you, PSA is now grading Funko Pops. Not only do we grade your pop, but we also are now offering dual service. So if your pop has an autograph, we can authenticate and grade the autograph along with the pop itself. It's a super simple process and the pop looks amazing in the PSA encapsulation. We're also excited to be partnering with the organization Pops for Patients. Through their hard work and your support, We've been able to donate thousands of pops to children's and hospitals around the country, and we're not done yet. So send in your pops and get them looking even better with PSA encapsulation, giving back to the community. It's a win-win. All right, that was a really fun conversation with Max, who we had a chance to get to meet and know a little bit here in the office. Really dude, fun guy. Dude has a championship belt for his registry set. That's awesome. It's amazing. Custom belt. The Cardass cards that he specifically collects and talked about in that conversation are the most eye-popping, the most appealing Pokemon cards, in my opinion. The, they have like this prism, like mosaic -y effect mm -hmm. to them. If you're just listening to that conversation, I highly advise you to jump on your computer, jump on your iPhone, and check those out because yep. they are incredible. I know nothing about Pokemon, but now I know Charizard's XRC exists. 1996. Pretty, pretty cool yeah. to see the Bandai said that. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely go check that out. Check him out at Max Max City on Instagram to see more of his collection. Max is a PSA Collectors Club member. I am myself as well. And it's an exciting week for us here at PSA because we're rolling out some new features for Collectors Club as we end 2022 and get ready for a really big year in 2023. One really popular new benefit is a $100 loop credit now, let's explain a little bit more about what this means. So Loop is a breaking platform. They have mm -hmm. an app and, or a, desk, a web application you can open up. But essentially, it's a host of different breaking companies that you can jump into their rooms and break different products, whether it's the upcoming Mosaic release or Contenders Optic Basketball, all available just with a few clicks or you know, swipes of your thumb on your phone to be able to buy into breaks. And, and with this credit, you're getting essentially... The cost of the membership is $99. The credit is $100. So you get $100 in free money, essentially, to go on to loop and break some cards. Yeah, like $100 is like, you can buy a lot of cards for that. Like, yes. like yeah, you can get like a pack of something like nicer, like Prism or, or multiple packs. Or you can get like a full hobby box of like Topps Heritage. You know, get chase one of those like red ink cards or anything like that. It's, it's a really big deal. I love using loop personally. It's just so easy, like jumping on Instagram then fumbling to PayPal and then jumping back to Instagram. It's just like not a great experience loop. Everything is completely integrated. You can just use Apple pay. It couldn't be easier. It's 
frankly, it's like too easy. It's like dangerous, too easy, <laughs> but it's a great product and the hundred dollar credit. I mean, having collectors club essentially pay for yourself. Plus you get all the other benefits. It's, it's incredible. I'm really, really proud of this. Happy about this excited for collectors. So if you're a collectors club member, you can renew your, your membership and get the credit. It won't be applied if you're an existing member. It's only for new purchases, whether that's an re- extension of your existing membership or if you're not a member today, you buy a new membership. And that's a psacard.com slash join. But in addition to the loop credit, you also get the fantastic PSA magazine, which Jack is managing editor of. It does a fantastic job creating parallel issue covers and, and great content overall. You also get access to our best pricing. So whether that's the monthly specials, which currently... The monthly special is a a modern sports card special. And then we extended the TCG special as well. Yeah, so through the end of December, the $15 a card modern sports bulk special plus the holiday non-sport and TCG special. No matter what you collect, there's a $15 a card special going through the end of the year. And as you mentioned, the PSA magazine, it's it's really great value for $99 a year. And like you said, you can either become a new member right now at psacard.com slash join, or you can renew your subscription at any time to take advantage and get that loop credit. Yeah, and I'll, I'll talk specifically to all the members who we thank for their years of loyalty who have been extended. A lot of those extensions are coming up for expiration in December. So the timing is good here. If you're one of those folks who was extended in 2021 as part of the backlog where we couldn't offer value pricing like we do today or bulk pricing like we do today, um, beyond the specials, it's only $18 a card, for example. But this is a great opportunity to renew your membership and then not only get access to that great pricing, but also get this loop credit, which is a a nice kind of cherry on top of it. And Jack, you got some big things coming with the January issue of PSA Magazine. These are the kind of things that you get to access as part of your membership when you become a Collectors Club member. Yeah, we have, we have the January issue arriving probably like within a week or so from mm-hmm. today. It ships on, by the time you're listening to this, it will have already shipped. But the February issue is going to be bananas too. The March issue is going to also be bananas. We have like full steam ahead. It's It's nothing but cool things. I am insanely excited for the 2023 content roadmap we have for the magazine. It's definitely something that you're going to want to get in your mailbox month after month. So if you're a collector, a PSA submitter, there's literally no excuse not to have a collector's club membership. $99 a year, psacard.com slash join to become one today. So for Steve Sloan, for Jack Archer, I'm Ryan Green. This has been another week of the PSA pod. We enjoyed talking with you and we will do it again next week. Thank you.